welcome to the FPS podcast series. This is podcast number 34, how to successfully format Excel pricing models for federal contracting. My name is Todd Hatherly, and I'm the director of programming for federal publication seminars, and we're a leader in federal government contract training and professional development for the past 60 years. And every year, federal publication seminars trains thousands of businesses, federal agencies, and individuals on the legal, regulatory, compliance, and accounting nuances found in the federal regulations through nationwide classroom, online, and in-house sessions. These podcasts are a small sampling of important content you as a contracting professional can expect from attending an FPS program, whether in person or online, live or on demand, you cannot find another source with breadth and depth of experience, knowledge, and content anywhere. So please visit us at fedpubseminars.com for more information. Today, I'm joined by Mark Hammond and Vinny DeMore from the McAlvey Group. Hi, gentlemen. How are you today? Hi, Todd. We're doing very well. Nice to be All here right. today. Awesome. Um, let me just do a little quick introduction to what you sent, because I think it's important to understand what, what we're talking about. You know, So companies spend an incredible amount of time making their technical, past performance, and price narrative volumes look professional before submission. But they rarely do the same with the Excel pricing model. And evaluators notice this. McKelvey Group's Mark Hammond and Vinny DeMore explain why taking the effort, extra effort in making your Excel pricing models matters and suggestions on how to approach it. Pricers of all levels will find value in this unique topic. So given that little introduction, so why does this matter and what is the value? I think that that is a great question to start. So I would say that good formatting in any Excel model matters just because it's just as much about visuals as it is about the data itself. Uh, I kind of like to think of it in a way that mirrors a chef and their dishes. If you prepare a meal that tastes amazing, but it looks disgusting, how many people do you think will actually try it? Uh, I believe that the same goes for an Excel model and that if it does not look good, Someone who may be seeing it for the first time, they may not know how to use it, look at it, or interpret it, which could just eventually lead to them just throwing it out entirely. I've got a dozen horror stories related to things <laughs> happening just like that. Uh, Vinny, why don't more companies spend time on this, in your opinion? Uh, so, in my opinion, I think that companies may just not know that the about the actual value that it brings. I think that a lot of companies nowadays that they've been using Excel for a really long time and they already have their processes in place. And these processes most likely do not include like a thorough formatting of tabs, of data tables, individual cells, and even doing print formatting. So I don't think it's that companies out there don't find value in formatting, but rather they just don't have it in their pre-existing procedures. And to add to that, I think in my experience, what I've seen is that to some degree, Doing the formatting in Excel is hard compared to Word, for instance. And then add to that that since COVID hit and now almost all proposals are submitted electronically without any hard copy requirement, I think a lot of the companies feel like the, you know, the print formatting of the pricing models and spreadsheets just isn't really needed anymore, so to speak. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So what, what are some of the common things you're seeing in pricing models that convey sloppy work? Ooh, another great question. I think the very first thing that comes to mind, it has to be merged cells. This is an absolute nightmare when you're trying to work with any sort of data table. I can recall 
One time I was highlighting a single column all the way down about a thousand rows and halfway through the entire data table just became selected because there was a merged cell somewhere. Uh, so I had to go through the entire table, try and find it, and I eventually did, but itself can take quite a while if you don't know exactly where it is. Some other things that I wouldn't necessarily consider sloppy work, but rather annoy me to a certain degree uh, is when a data table starts in cell A1, uh, when working with dollars, you're using currency over accounting and uneven columns and rows when the data is legitimately the same. And I think for me, uh, the biggest one that I see is multiple entries for the same value. For instance, labor escalation rate is one that I often see uh, folks will, in their spreadsheets, enter that value multiple times rather than putting that in one location and linking all other uh, calculations or formulas to that single location. Uh, and, and, you know, the benefit of that is if a decision is made later on to change the proposed escalation rate, then the pricer has to remember to go through and find all of those locations or formulas to make that change. If it's a single entry point for a data value, then that one change is made and the model is accurate. Uh, you know, the, the, the information flows throughout the model. So that's a big one for me that I see uh, quite often. Sure. So what, what are some examples of the things you can do to improve the quality of price of a pricing model? Uh, so I would recommend that everybody starts their data table in cell C2, and then they take columns A and B and collapse them to a width of one. This gives your table, quote unquote, breathability. And then every uh, table that you add in after that, just have a little bit gap in between them really drives home on that breathability. The tables aren't one on top of each other. Uh, also, anytime that you wanna center a text or, or a value, don't use merge cells, but rather highlight the area that you want the cells to be centered across. Go to the alignment, uh, click the drop-down menu under horizontal and press center across selection. This does exactly what merge cells does, but it will not combine the cells into one and it will make your life so much easier if you go back and try and format later. Uh, finally, something that's super underrated that we do here at the McKelvey Group is use color coding. We use it for a bunch of different things. So for example, for fonts, we use a, a blue to show where information has been hand entered. We use black to show where formulas are and we use red to show where information has been hand entered but it's also placeholder information. So there are times when we have a model built out entirely, but we're waiting on data to come back from the client. We need to make sure that that file works. And the way that we do that is we use red placeholder information uh, until we get what we need from the client. If, if I can sum up a little bit about what Vinny said, I think it comes down to developing processes over time that have allowed us to do things in a way that are focused and you know to a a plan rather than just jumping into a spreadsheet and starting to do things uh it comes down to you know processes again the the space like many talked about putting in things in c2 rather than starting in a1 when you start to do print formatting it allows you to set uh, margins a little bit more easily to make your page breaks. Have, as, as Vinny said, it has that breathability to set those types of things, which are often not easy to do in Excel. That The mechanisms are there, but to do it consistently from tab to tab, it, it gets a little bit trying. 
And then on top of that, the other one thing that we like to do to help improve the quality of the pricing model itself is to prepare an independent model. That is uh, for the purpose of verifying that the model that's going to be submitted is accurate. The independent model is what I call quick and dirty. It doesn't have the conformance to the government instructions. It's really just for the purpose of verifying that the model that's going to be submitted is correct. And so uh, doing this, if it's possible, you have an independent person create the independent model, but that's not always possible. Uh, but it's just a process that you know we have taken on that allows us to have good, solid uh, comfort in the accuracy of what we're submitting. And then, you know, the techniques that we're applying to create our spreadsheets and print format our spreadsheets are, even though they're all different, the process that we use is consistent. How can you achieve a consistent formatting on the screen? Um, so I would say rather than a process itself, but rather a tool that you can use that is integrated in Excel is uh -huh. their format painter tool. Uh, so if you're dealing with tables that are exactly the same, so for instance, you have tables that may be by month or by year and they're expanding like all the way across the spreadsheet or all the way down a spreadsheet, uh, format the very first table exactly how you want the rest to look, highlight the entire table, and then double click on the format or painter tool. Um, then what you do after that is you click the very first cell of the next table and it will automatically format it exactly the same way as the first one. is. So this could save you boatloads of time if you do this properly. How, how can you create the same look and feel as the other volumes? This is all about consistency. What you do in one file should directly translate to what you're doing in another one. Uh, for instance, when I start a brand new Excel document or a new tab, the first thing I always do is collapse the column widths of A and B to one. I turn the grid lines off and I start every table in cell C2. Uh, once these things and other formatting adjustments become second nature, the look across your different volumes will become more and more similar. And, and quite honestly, it is about getting very early on, getting the, you know, the proper headers and footers, that type of information that are being used in the other volumes and getting that into the pricing model early makes uh -huh. it easier to keep things consistent as the model expand, as tabs are added, that information is already in. So, you know, I like to get those logos, those headers, those footers input into the pricing model at the, as early as possible, if not at the earliest development stage. Uh, so that way it does have that same look and feel uh, with the other volumes. Vinny and Mark, I know you talked a little bit about uh, printing and uh, margins, but how do you, do you have some other tips on how to print cleanly? Or evaluators? Oh, yeah, I do for sure. I just wrapped up probably spending half a day formatting like a, I think it was like a 40 tab government model. So I think it's best to be more descriptive than vague in this instance. So mm -hmm. if you want to go to the page setup on option that's underneath like the page layout ribbon, you want to make sure that the orientation of the page is set to portrait or landscape depending on what the size of your tables are. So for instance, if you have a table that's like seven to maybe 10 columns wide and they're all relatively small in width, that would be appropriate for using portrait. But if there's anywhere near the 15 to 20 column mark, or maybe you just have a single column, but it's super wide, that would justify using landscape. Uh, it's also important to have your scaling set properly. So what we do is we fit to one page wide and we leave the quote unquote pages tall option blank. This will automatically adjust the print length to fit 
however many pages you're printing. Um, I would say for margins, we like to have it where it's centered on the page horizontally, but not vertically, just so it starts from the top down, not necessarily putting it right in the middle. And for the measurements, I think that those just typically vary by company, so I don't think we have to be overly specific there. Uh, for headers and footers, these change on the project that we're working on. So typically, we like to put the client's logo in the top left, the name of the project in the top right, and page number in the bottom right. But we do have to set the page number manually, and you can do that underneath the page setup option where it says first page number. And finally, I would say that a table does not exactly fit. If a table does not exactly fit to one page, it's important to go to the print tiles or the sheet option and have it repeat the title of the rows at the top. This will assure that if a table does run long, someone printing it off will know exactly how to interpret that information by having the header of that table going across each page. And again, this comes down to you need time to do these things. And so, again, doing as much of this early as possible in the model rather than waiting to the end uh, is crucial. Otherwise, it's a panic rush at the end. Things get sloppy, things get missed. And that's why I think sometimes the model the, doesn't end up looking like the other volumes is because they waited to the end and there wasn't enough time. We all know that time gets crunched at the end. So, again, do as much of these formatting things as possible while the the model is as early in its development as possible again spending five minutes now saves an hour later it, it uh, oftentimes sure have you seen instances where a sloppy model has been ruled out by evaluators because they can't follow it Fortunately, I've never had one happen to me that way, but I have absolutely seen proposals that have been either eliminated or thrown out of competition or even just not evaluated because the government looked at what was submitted and either couldn't make sense of it or, and this, I actually have one that went back to, goes back to days of submitting on paper where because they didn't do the things like have headers that on the models that wrapped from tab to tab there were pages upon pages upon pages of numbers that were effectively just floating in space in the volume no one could have connected logically and the government said we're not going to take the time to try to piece this together so i'm sorry company you've been eliminated we're not even going to evaluate your proposal and you have to imagine that's crushing for the company and for all those people that put in all that time and effort developing and submitting their proposal to not even have it evaluated right so it Unbelievable. It, ha it happens. And it's it, it's uh, I am fortunate and, and just so uh, so thankful it hasn't happened to me. But again, we do strive to take steps early on to make sure it's something that can be controlled, I guess, is what I want to say. It's sure. not something that is just you don't become a victim to it unless you kind of allow yourself to become victim to it, because we have, we believe, processes and ways to do these things in a manner that will prevent that from ever being something that happens. Wow. Uh, how do you manage these Excel pricing models when working on a team? Because you got, I'm sure, more than one person looking at this um, and, and wanting to make changes or something along that line. So how do you manage that? Well, I think on my end, it's super easy managing, managing it when I'm working with this team 
mainly because we're all on the same page when it comes to making Excel models look good. And actually, being the newest pricer here, they are the ones that, uh, that, that taught me everything I know. So if anything, they're the ones that are managing me. <laughs> so I would say uh, the big thing that I try to do is we establish clear roles about who is responsible for each piece of the pricing, whether it's pieces of the model, whether it's this person has the model, this person does the independent model. Um, we ha you have to establish clear roles because if two people are trying to do the same thing at different times, they'll overwrite one another. It becomes a... Uh, a bit of a uh, configuration nightmare about who did the last thing when. So again, establish those clear roles, establish a clear schedule and timing of events. We all know that those things change, but if you don't have any schedule or plan, then it's most likely going to turn into chaos for sure. Uh, and then use the opportunity of having the team when it's available to cross-check one another. Be open to criticism and be I think open to finding new and better ways of doing things. We all get set in our our practices, and even though Vinny said, you know, we would teach him or we would tell him if he was doing anything, he'll he will he already has had good ideas that he's brought to the table that have helped push our entire team forward. So there's it's not a status or position thing. Everybody has good ideas. We have to be open and receive them. But when it comes down to managing it, I think uh, it's a it's establishing clear roles and establishing a schedule and doing everything possible to stick to it and uh, being but being flexible to, to enough to adjust where you have to. Uh, at the end of the day, we all got to lock arms and get it done together, though. Two things in contracting that always comes to the surface when I do any anything in this arena is is communication and documentation. And I. Um, Definitely is that's part of the whole pricing model thing here, too, I, I assume. Absolutely, it is. And, and that is something that we try to we have documented processes for how we do things. We try to bring those to our, our clients. Obviously, they're, they're not things that we just do. They've been developed over, you know, I think uh, 20 some odd years of doing these things and having the opportunity to work with literally hundreds of different companies of all sizes, seeing proposals that have crossed the, you know, the spectrum of the, the federal government, almost all the agencies. So uh, it, it's a, a unique position to be in. We're lucky, but I do think we've been able to reap the benefits of being in that position as well. So, Mark, as a uh, as a McKelvey client or a potential client, do you have a template for uh, customers to to use? I mean, to start out to to build these. We do generally have a a template that we use as the basis for what we start every proposal with for our clients and customers uh, that gives us a framework that we attach to either the government model if the government requires specific forms or if the company has specific uh, established uh, spreadsheets that they use or if we have to develop it you know fresh and new so yes and no we do have a kind of an underlying framework a foundation that we build everything off of uh, so it's it's a little bit of it starts off with this foundation, but then each client's proposal obviously becomes unique based on those specific circumstances. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, thank you both, uh, Mark and Vinny, for joining me for this podcast. Uh, if anyone of our listeners want to get a hold of either of you uh, or want to know more about the McKelvey Group, how would they do so? Sure. They can contact us at themckelveygroup.com. Uh, and we are available at uh, phone number 1-800-246-3154.
Excellent. Thank you both. Um, and very informative. I wish we would have like little screens we could show to show how the Excel spreadsheets work, uh, but we don't. It's a podcast. But uh, again, it's uh, very informative and appreciate your, your time and um, that you take to, out of your busy schedule to do this. Uh, as always, if you have topics you want us to cover in a podcast, please send me a note at todd at fedpubseminars.com. And until next time, stay safe, keep your distance, and read the fog.